The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Hope. That's our sermon series. When we come every weekend, it's my prayer that you walk out of this place with hope. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about the first Christians who, who started to worship and gather together. Imagine when they met. And can you imagine the hope that they had? I saw this Jesus. He was dead on the cross. And now I had fish with him on, on the side of the lake. I touched him. They're, they're gathered together, saying and inspiring each other with these words of what? A real life of, event. The death and resurrection of Jesus to give hope. So that they would be prepared to give an answer for the reason that they hope that they have, and they do it with gentleness and respect. And that, for 2,000 years, is for every Christian person. That would we, every time we open up the Word of God, every time we sing songs together, every time we pray together, that we would go stronger and stronger in our faith so that our hope grows, so that we might be able when people ask us questions because they truly want to know, when people ask us questions when they're just kind of semi-curious, when people ask us questions when they really want to argue with us, how do we respond? How do we share the reason for the hope that we have? And so you've been listening to series, to, to, to reading the scripture, and hearing Pastor Joe, R.J. Paul, how they are describing it. It's, it's a topic that I'm going to get into today that I really don't think we talk a lot about, but hopefully it'll give you a taste and want more as you go uh, to understand the hope that you have in Jesus who has died for your sins and rose again from the dead. At some point in everybody's life, we wonder, is there a spiritual world? Is there something that exists that we can't see? You know, people hear of ghost stories when you're younger, right? Telling ghost stories. Any movie, you know, that comes out, there's something about the supernatural. We're curious. We want to know. Are there things that are invisible? And as Christians, of course, we say, yes, there are. Because as we read the word of God, it talks about heavenly realms, spiritual forces, things like this. It talks about demons 80 times at least in Scripture. It talks about angels 300 times. And so we understand, yes, there is a spiritual realm. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, it uses heavenly realm. But Ephesians 6 says it this way, For our struggle, is it against flesh and blood? Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Where's the heavenly realms? Where's the battle? Can we see it? Are we, are we intersecting with it when we can see things that display that we can't even imagine or explain? How is this working, God? And then in the scriptures, what does it talk about? I mean, when we think about Satan in our culture today, I think, you know what? We're too intellectual. We want to see. We want to test it. We want to observe it. And only what's tested and observed can we say, okay, that's real. But what about Satan? Scripture says it a lot. We're going to get an encounter. Why don't you open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Turn there with me, 1,558 in the Bibles that we provide. But I think it's fascinating that we get a chance to see Jesus interact with the unseen world with what's invisible, and yet people see 
something visible displayed. And so we're going to take a look at that and see what we can learn and how we might be able to have hope from it. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often chained hand, had been often chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Is it the demon speaking or is it him speaking? Yes. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. What do we learn about this unseen world? That it actually exists, that demons are real. Demons are described here as evil, unclean spirits. They can be in people, and not just one, but more than one. And Jesus has the power and the authority to cast them out. Notice who's in control and who's the one in fear in verses 10 and 12. Who's the one begging? The demons. In verse 13, Jesus is the one who gives permission. Jesus is in control. He has authority of uh, the situation. He gives that authority to his disciples. And brothers and sisters in Christ, he gives that authority to you and to me. And we'll learn more about that. But I think it's interesting. In Jesus' words in verse 9, he asks the demon, what's your name? I mean, don't you think in Jesus' omniscience, his all-knowingness, he knows his name? But the answer then reveals who's in control of this man's life. Because he responds with legion. For there are many. A Roman legion consisted of 6,000 men. If somebody asks you, what's your name? Who are you? How many of us would say, well, I'm the son of God the Father. And my brother is Jesus the Christ. And the Holy Spirit lives in me. Guess who can answer that right now? Ethan Paul Coleman. And every one of you that are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would cherish what God has done for you. Not what you did, but what God did. That we would say, yes, I'm God's son. No matter how I'm tempted, no matter what happens in my life, God's in charge of me, not any demon, not any evil attack, not this world, God alone. We're going to explore a little bit about demonic stuff. And what we've seen so far in Mark 5, what we establish is this spiritual realm, this heavenly realm, it does exist. And the devil really is an actual being. I mean, if it weren't included in God's word, 
right? We wouldn't need to know it. But God said, you need to, you need to hear this. You need to experience what's happening against evil spirits. And I want you to know the truth. That's why he has it here. And the devil. I mean, I think in our culture, we're so intellectual. Knowledge is power for us. And what the devil wants to do, I think his scheme is to lull us to sleep and to think, you know what? I'm not real. You see me on Halloween. I just have a red suit with little horns. It's all good. Don't worry about me. And he can go about his plan unhindered, unfettered. I'll just go to rob, kill, and destroy people's souls. That's the devil's plan. I, I, I have an insert for you. I want to pull that out right now. It's in the bulletin. It's not in the Welcome Center. I think it's in your notes that was in the Welcome Center, but we put it in the bulletin. So please, take that out. I'm not going to read every single one of these. Fast facts about Satan. Who me- the word just means adversary. Adversary, a courtroom accuser. One who brings charges to God for, for somebody else. An adversary, an accuser, a deceiver, a dragon, father of lies, Lucifer, ruler of this world, tempter, wicked, roaring lion, all these things. I want to flip the page to the the second point. Satan was actually created, a created being, one of the most angelic beings with a high position in heaven. He fell from heaven, point number five. Point six, he took a third of the angels with him. And just look on and on about what he does. And so I didn't put any scripture readings for the week because I want you to use this as a guide to understand about Satan and his works and his ways. And so we'll get back to that uh, a little bit later. You can can just put that aside for a moment. But what I think is uh, interesting in this, and I want you to just take this away, from the time that Satan fell to the earth, fell from heaven to earth, until the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, he could go before the holy council of God and all his angels and accuse people. That's what Satan could do. That's what the Bible says. I want you to look on the screen, Job chapter 1. Listen to Satan's taunting words to God about Job. Stretch out your hand and touch all Job has. And you know what he's going to do, God? He's going to curse you to your face. Can you imagine all the words that Satan did when he was tempting Jesus to God too? Your son. Give him all the glory and the power. You know what your son's going to do? He's going to fail. Can you imagine Jesus' words to God? But when the death and resurrection of Jesus happened, Satan lost power and control to go before God. I want us to look at that, read it. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. Let's go to Revelation 12. 1,926 in the Bibles we provide. And we'll hear about what happened. Beginning in verse 7. You there? It's always good to have a Bible in front of you. Read it. Not just my words, but you know. Not listening, but also looking. Okay, and there was war in heaven. Did you catch that? What? War in heaven? Yes, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. When that was, I have no idea. But enough time where he was accusing Job, 
enough time where he was tempting Adam and Eve. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens. That means all of your loved ones that have gone to be with God in heaven and all the company of heaven. Rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe, but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. See, before the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Satan could accuse people, all people, not just God's people, all people. But now, Satan is ultimately defeated. He has no power to influence God's judgment because Jesus won the spiritual battle for our Isn't that good news? It is. I mean, when Satan comes at you, However way, and he said, how can you be a child of God the way you act when you're living in sin and you're acting out all these things? Away from me, Satan. You have no place here. I'm a baptized child of God. Amen? If Jesus would not have loved us so much to stay on that cross, that's how much he loved us. If he would have been, if we would have come down from that cross, we would have been in big trouble. But he paid the penalty for all our sins. And then God said, I'm blessing what just took place because of my son, because I'm raising him from the dead so that you might see you have eternity with me forever and ever. You have crossed over from death, eternal, to life. And that is just a blessing to me to understand God's love for me. And, but here's the cold hard facts. Satan has not been cast down fully yet. In the book of Revelation, it's called hell or the lake of burning sulfur or the second death. Right now, Satan is where? He's on the earth. We can't see him. Where are his demons? On the earth. We can't see him. And people today, we we wonder, you know, back to the question, can people be possessed? Can people be oppressed by demons? Are there exorcisms today? Yes. There are. Maybe we don't see so many in America, but you'll hear stories from me coming up. Exorcism means, from the Greek, ekbalo, which means cast out. When Jesus was casting out demons and his disciples were doing the same, they were exorcising the demons from people. And I have some recent stories I want to share with you that just goes to my point in the outline uh, number three, that demons are still active today in the unseen battle. It does rage on. About a month and a half ago, in July, I was in Haiti, and I heard this firsthand story uh, by a pastor named Jean-Claude. He's about this high. And when, when he was telling us over a dinner, our mission team, about what happened to him, it just blew our minds. It, it freaked me out. And I mean, maybe you've had experiences, religious experiences, maybe you had experiences that are just unexplainable unexplainable by medicine or whatever else. 
This is a story that's unexplainable. He said uh, he was called to be a missionary pastor to this village that didn't know about Christianity in Haiti. In Haiti, voodoo is the religion. Evil spirits and all kinds of things reign and rule in that country. And so as he was in this, this village, he said that uh, he found a place that he could stay. That other Christians tried to go in that village before, but they were driven out by, by voodoo priests. And so as he found a, a, a hospitable person in the village, he said, can I stay with you? Shared the gospel with that, with that person. And as he went in his room for the night, he took the key, he locked the door behind him, and he put the key on his body. And as he was sleeping that night, he felt from head to toe water coming over his body. There wasn't a hole in the ceiling. It wasn't raining outside. There wasn't another person in the room. He woke up the next day, and he was a little embarrassed. He said that the, uh, he was trying to dry out his clothes so the, neighbor, so the people that he was living with didn't think he wet the bed. But then the next night, he was out that day. He comes back to stay in the same place, key in his hand, locked the door, put it on his person, laying in bed, sand comes over him from head to toe. He knew for certain that it was demonic, that the voodoo priests were casting curses and spells. I'll share a book with you that I read, and this was outside of what I heard from him, but it was verified by this book that voodoo priests use sand and water to cast spells on people. Don't know why, just that's what it is. But what happened was he used the name of Jesus you're stronger, you're more powerful than this. I'm staying in this place. He's the only one out of the Christian people in Haiti that tried to go to establish a church in that village. It's called Carrefour de Clou, and here's the church. After he told us that story at dinner, through a translator, he said, and it would be wonderful if Pastor Tony could talk uh, to preach to us tomorrow. Okay. As long as you're right next to me. Another uh, story that I want to share with you, um, they're worshiping. I mean, you could see the worship there that happens. I preached there. It was awesome to know that even amidst the spiritual battle that is unseen that we walk into, that they were praising God in the name of Jesus, and it was great. But a story that I want to tell you about my, uh, my experience 20 years ago with my wife and her friend from college just confirms that this demonic stuff happens to me. You know, I mean, I'm just totally aware of it. Um, she came back from college. We got married. Her, her roommate from college followed to St. Louis and, and got a job, but she needed a place to stay. So we were married. Um, I guess it was years later, a few years later, because then we had kids. We had two kids at the time. And so we let... Uh, this friend come and stay with us. And so we took her to church, and she had some medical conditions. Uh, the doctors couldn't figure out why uh, things were happening in her body. Uh, but then we would take her to church. She would come out of church, and she would tell us, hey, I was trying to read the Bible, but it was all black. I don't, I don't get it. It happened a couple times. And then I, I remember, because I witnessed it two times, I took her to church with my wife. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, she starts to go like this, just 
Like nothing was happening. It was like an altered catatonic state. Like when the, the preacher started his message, it was just like that, and it was unexplainable. And after, after the worship service, she heard nothing. At that point, you know, visions of the exorcist that I watched when I was a kid came back, and I was freaking out because my, my family, my daughter and my son are at the house. What's going on? It was just the time that I was going to go to the seminary. And I knew a pastor who knew a pastor about, uh, about how to do exorcisms. So long story short, she uh, uh, went to these two pastors who prayed over her and really had an exorcism. And to this day, uh, she's free of all of that. She's a, a young, a young she's, she's my age, Christian, Christian lady that has three kids uh, that is just going strong. And I'm just so appreciative that, that I was able to see and witness how God was working in this unseen world on this girl and not the devil because Jesus is stronger. Amen? One more story as if those weren't enough, and I hope you don't have nightmares when you we go this place, but that's okay because who's stronger and why do we have hope? Great, Jesus is stronger. So here's what happened. Uh, our first family mission trip at Faith, four families and my family, we went up to this place called Victory Lutheran Church. Uh, we went to this uh, Air Force Base, K.I. Sawyer Air Force Base that was closed down, low government housing, kids with all kinds of problems, kids that were hungry, kids that were homeless, kids that's parents were addicted to drugs and all sorts of things, such a, a place of just depravity. I couldn't believe it. In the UP, yeah, you guys might go, you know, go right to Pictured Rocks or whatever. You go left, and oh, it's a whole different world. And the next slide will show you this youth director that was um, Tammy that was volunteered there, and she loved these kids. Her story she shared with us, and it goes like this. She was a drug smuggler from Mexico to, to Haiti, addicted to drugs and practicing witchcraft. And her mother-in-law went to this church. Her mother-in-law kept asking her, hey, Tammy, you got to come to church. Tammy, please come to church. Tammy. And one day her mother-in-law didn't ask her. And Tammy was offended. Like, why didn't you ask me to go to church? And so that day is the day she tried to go to church. When she went to church, she grabbed the handle of the church, and it was so hot she couldn't touch it. She left. Like, I, I can't go. Next time she wanted to go, she uh, was there in her back because of her drug addictions, and, and she's not the healthiest woman because of the, her history. And, and so her back was killing her, and she couldn't go, but she pushed through the pain. She heard the love of God in her life, and slowly she started to know what Christianity was all about. Baptized believer in Jesus now. Praise God. But as she was growing in her faith, she felt compelled that I need to get rid of these witchcraft books that are still in my house. So her and her husband tried to burn them. And guess what? They wouldn't burn. She tried several times, and she's freaking out, and so she's going to bury them. And so she told me that, Pastor, you know, she said, Pastor Tony, I'm never going to tell anyone where I buried those books. She hit them, and she's on her way, and she's praising God now, and she's ministering to these kids, and we're partnering with her uh, uh, to just grow uh, that ministry together. So here's, I, I, I tell these stories not to frighten you. That's not my intent. My intent is to say, God wins. 
God is more powerful. He's equipped us as Christians to say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And it's a, a great, great thing that we have Scripture to back it up. See, if we, what we try to do is try to say, you know what, the devil's not real. Don't want to even think about it. Don't want to. That's what he wants from us. That's his strategy. He wants us to lull us to sleep. And he maybe, maybe you're feeling embarrassed. I don't want to tell pastor this story because he'll just, you know, whatever. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed to come to your pastors and say, listen, I tried medically. I tried uh, professionally with psychology and all these things. If things aren't working, you know what? It's a both and. It is a both and. It's spiritual and medical that's happening. Here's what First Peter uh, chapter 5, 8 and 9 says. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you want to deny the existence of these dark forces, right, and demons, it's just going to be easy for him to come in lives and plunder and attack. But guess what? We have someone who is greater than the devil. He's on our side. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And in Jesus' name we go because this is what he's done and this is what he's promised. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in, in you and in me than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4, that's not on the screen. Write it down. The unseen world. It's not just about demons. It's just not about who God is, but really this blue sheet again. There's angelic activity. There's God's army. I want you to look at the fast facts about angels real quickly. I'm not going to read them all. Don't have time for that, but look. There are lots of different terms from angels. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. They were created before the beginning of the earth, angels, morning stars, they were called in Job, were, were praising God and singing God while he was creating the world. They were there. Point four, all the important roles angels played in Jesus' life. You can look at that this week. Point five, they have strength. They have superior intelligence. They're called mighty angels. Point six, there's a great number of them. An innumerable company of angels, Hebrew says. A multitude 10,000 times 10,000 were singing in the book of Revelation. And of course we read from 12, a third of the angels were swept out of heaven, hurled to the earth with Satan. But that means out of three heavenly beings, two are on, are on God's side. Isn't that good news? That we know that greater is he that is in us, greater are the angels than the demons in this world. I think the Apostle John said it, said it this way, the reason the Son, not I think, I know, it's First John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. See, Satan's goal is to, to win our souls to his kingdom. Because the reality is there's only two kingdoms, right? You either belong to God, baptized and believe in him, you belong to Jesus' rule and reign, or you belong to the kingdom of Satan. That's harsh words to see and hear especially with a person who is just so kind to you, right? But who's in control? What's your name? I'm baptized as a son of God, and that's what we hold to. It's a great thing. I think Luther had a good frame of mind when he, and he said these words, for where God built a church, there the devil would also build a chapel. I think that's so true. 
I read a book, and I commend it to your reading. It's called Afraid. It's in our bookstore. If we run out of copies, uh, that's okay. We'll order more. Just go online. Demon Possession and Spiritual Warfare in America says some great words. One uh, uh, words of wisdom that he uh, says is up on the screen. We as Christians, we can't be too quick to say everything is of the devil. Demons aren't around every bush that we see or a cause of every addiction or every ailment. But on the other hand, we can't dismiss that there's an unseen world. And the devil does play havoc on Christians and non-Christians. And it's up to us to be engaged in this battle. And I hope, it's my hope that you would be prepared. That we would read scripture, that you would be learning scripture to understand that God has given us authority to do these things. And so when he has done that, I learned from this book, which is really great, that if, somebody, if you feel like somebody is being oppressed by demons, would you call us as pastors? Would you then come with us so that you could pray silently and we could rely on God's promise that when two or more are gathered, he is right here with us. We could pray. We could read words of scripture. We could sing spiritual songs. We could have confession and, and forgiveness of sins with that individual. And finally, in the end, if we read these words, uh, uh, to them, be gone in the name of Jesus, you evil spirits. You have no right to this person. He is a child of God. He has received the name of the triune God, has been marked and redeemed by God from sin, from death, and the devil. Does that sound familiar? That's our baptism, right? Be gone in the name of Jesus and trouble this person no more. It's my prayer that you walk out of this place with that hope. You're children of God. In his hands, we can mock the devil and say, Be gone in the name of Jesus. This we know.